Welcome to another edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live right here on Giants.com. Joined by Jeff Eagles, I am John Schmelk, 201-939-4513. That's the telephone number. What's up, Johnny? Good to see you, Jeff. Man, How are you? you've been out. You know, we haven't done a show in a while. You've, yeah, it's been you, almost. You've two been weeks. to Mobile and back. So, Mo- Mobile last week. For the people that listened to the show yesterday, I did not schedule myself earlier in the week. I was supposed to have jury duty. Uh, that got canceled. I got the text on Sunday night, but I already put you guys on the show, so I did That's Thursday cool. and Friday. You're happy about that? I well, hope. we'll see. It said I'll be contacted for another date, so I'm hoping that does not happen. 2025 but sounds. I don't good. mind doing my civic duty, but as you guys well know, duty calls at the Giants. The draft is coming up. I I must be here. Big Blue Kickoff Live is presented by Coors Light, Mountain Cold Refreshment, made to chill. Uh, and Jeff, I guess we'll talk some Super Bowl today. That's something we could talk about, oh, that's right. obviously. That's that is Sunday. It'll be the last football game, uh, at least NFL football game. The XFL starts next week. It's the that, last thing we get to hang on to in the NFL before we go to the college, right? Correct. Yeah. And a then, little free agency. And then we're not going to have a game until August. So you're looking at a you know a six to seven month um Reprieve yeah, here or, or respite tells, of NFL something football. Something tells me that we will keep ourselves busy. Oh, I think we will. Absolutely. Uh, do you want to start Super Bowl, Jeff, or do you want to ask me some questions about the Senior Bowl first? Oh, let's go Senior Bowl. I was um, I haven't had a chance to talk to you. Uh, obviously, when we were doing BBK, we got a little bit of a taste for things like that. I know you talked a lot about it yesterday. Um, I guess to me, the biggest takeaway from this class, if you will, um, as far as we know that it was heavy with offensive linemen and receivers, did that hold up? Or did you see another position that you just thought that was even better than you thought it was going to be? The tackle class was shallow there a lot because a lot of the top tackles are underclassmen this okay. year. Okay. Um, well, that makes sense. If everybody knows, you can't go there unless you are a senior. Correct. So the, the top four offensive tackles in this class, um, uh, the kid from Alabama, um, the Andrew Thomas from Georgia, mm-hmm. Werfs from Iowa, you know, and Becton from Louisville. Uh, Werfs is no, no, the Wills, Wills, Wills from Alabama. I finally got the name. Sorry, those are the four top offensive linemen. Those are all underclassmen, Um, so they weren't there. Josh um, Jones was the one guy that was there from Houston that could be an option for the Giants at the top of the second round. Uh, Interior offensive line, there were a bunch of potential mid-round, third, fourth-round picks there, which is fine. That you're going to get that every year. Uh, The wide receiver class held up. It was. Ridiculous. Uh, I mean, it just probably, seems that way every they year. They were probably, I mean, more so. This is the deepest wide receiver class I've ever seen. And I haven't been doing this in detail for a long time, um, but I've paid attention enough. Jeff, there were probably eight wide receivers that, that I think could be day two picks. Mm. And, and these are just seniors. This yeah. does, you know, this is including the, you know, the, the CD Lambs, the Jerry Judys, and all those other guys that are going to be first round picks anyway. Yeah. So just a really, really heavy wide receiver class. Very impressive group. What about the quarterbacks that were there? I thought Herbert was really good. It's a perfect event for him to show off his tools. He's big. He's got a big yeah. arm. He can run. Can, does he have perfect a big for him? I mean, the, the news, the you know, the book always said he has a great arm. He was he, he was tell. he was basically his Josh Allen tools. Oh, I was gonna say, I was you you were there. You got to see Josh Allen. I mean, yep. very comparably. Similar. Okay, I yeah. think Herbert's more polished. Okay. Yeah, you know, I think that we knew that with him coming out that yeah. he was. But Herbert's, you know, last year, remember everybody's kind of. Wait, he's a he's a senior, so they, yep. he stayed in school. People thought he might come out last yeah, year. Yeah, so mm-hmm. that was a big thing. And, you know, I think he probably did the right thing by staying because now he's one of the guys they're all talking about. Of course, Joe Burrow, we know, and nobody knew that what was going to happen with him. No, <laughs> out of nowhere. You know, and, of course, he was he was supposed to be there, right? And he just decided not to come, which is fine. Yeah, that's his right. Obviously, you know, people think he's going to be the number one overall pick. So Yeah, and, I don't think they need to go to the Senior Bowl and show him anything else. Right, exactly. Hurt you want to like stay that. healthy, you won the national championship, and yeah. then we'll see you at the Combine. Adios. Um, as far as real quickly on the yeah, defensive sure. side of it, um, as far as edge rushers, you know, those are the ones we always get excited about. And um, the Giants could use a few of those. So talk a little bit about those guys. Look, the edge class was not great there. Uh, there oh. were a couple guys that were okay. Jonathan Greenard from Florida was one. Joshua Uche from Michigan was another. But, and look, I think it, it speaks to what I've heard about this class, and I haven't done all the work on it yet. That you have Chase Young at the top, and then you know AJ Espinessa and the the Chase on kid from LSU are probably the only two other first round picks at edge rusher, which is which is really down, which is shallow, it's yeah. shallow. I mean, which is fine. Two guys in the top thirty to go, you know, edge rushers. Usually that's the number one, well, not number one, but teams really go oh, for look. those guys. And who knows, guys might rise up the board and get picked in the twenties. Well, you never and know. And you like got some juniors. You draft. got some juniors that are coming sure. out. So, I mean, it, it's not a deep edge class. I thought the defensive tackle class was very good, but that's one thing the Giants really don't need. 
No, they don't. In fact, I think that the three guys that they have, the new coaching staff is excited about having those three young guys. And, of course, you can you – And know, Leonard Williams. And Leonard Williams, if we, yeah, if he's going to get back. And nobody knows if he's coming back or what, but you yep. hope that he is. Um, which brings us to, you know, free agency's right around the corner. Um, so you got to start looking at those types of players to build your roster. Yeah, I'm starting to. I'm cr- trying to create a spreadsheet for us to have all those players listed in, in one universal spot. I haven't gotten there yet. Uh, well, I was working Giants on it this morning. They, they do. Money. And Dave Gettleman, it was interesting. He said that, you know, you want to try to keep X number of dollars kind of in hand for sure. the season. But they'll still have plenty of money to spend. And I think you'll probably get one big splash, that, like a monster player that everyone's going to be excited about. You'll get another, like, medium to large splash. And then you'll probably get a bunch of guys on the margins where, you know, that you're going to help fill some holes at the positions. And I, I struggle with this as far as the one big splash you mentioned. Um, because I, I, you know, we've been around a game long enough and I've seen it firsthand guys have gotten signed free agency and, you know, been teammates of mine that come in or just, you know, they just basically back the truck up and, um, close the door, turn the ignition on and let it run for a year. And then they leave. Um, so I'm, I'm a little bit conflicted as far as where I would go with that splash pick. I would go defensive end. You would go at the I think defensive end. We've seen enough pass rushers over the last few years change teams and maintain yeah. their effectiveness, whether it's, you know, Zadarius Smith or Preston Smith or D Ford. You can do that with edge rushers. So and, and that's like gonna said, be a big splash because it's gonna be a lot of money. Absolutely. And it's a shallow draft class and you know, assuming they're not gonna get Chase Young, which I think at this point you have to assume that they're yeah. not. Yeah. So I think that's a position, even if you bring back Marcus Golden, I think, you know, he's more suited as a two probably than a one. Yeah. So you bring in a big-time edge rusher to pair with him, and that's going to help your young secondary. One thing that we have not been told, and John mentioned this before, is the fact that we don't know what they're going to play. I mean, Patrick Graham hasn't really said, are they a 3-4-4-3, three, four, four, three? but I, I have you interviewed him, and I remember one of the things he did say was he loves the word mul- multiple. Oh, he used the word multiple <laughs> a lot. So he, I used, think that... he used multiple multiple times. <laughs> exactly. That is correct. So, you know, with that in mind, then, you know, we turn our focus to that free agency defensive end, defensive tackle. Is it an outside linebacker? You know, who, who will it actually right. be? Mm-hmm. So um, we'll see. I, I believe... I believe that I would stay on defense at this point. I really do. Um, Yannick I, Ngakwe, Shaquille Barrett would be the there two you go. big edge yeah. rushers. And, and I feel like offensively, um, you know, that offensive line, I would hit on one of those linemen um, because those are, those are guys that can play for 10 years. You know what I mean? They're, yes. They're, they're guys. You mean in the draft you're talking In the about. draft, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Sure. The free agency, I think you're going to have one big hit splash. I agree with you. Um, I think you're going to have some need players that you're going to come in here. They'll be starters because obviously they're free agent guys are going to give money. But don't be surprised if they try to build this roster with some free agent guys that may not be starters, just you know, good depth guys, yeah. good, good locker room people. I wouldn't mind throwing some money at an inside linebacker too because I feel like even if you draft one, Simmons. assuming you're not going to – let's say assume you don't draft Simmons, okay? Okay. Um, and who knows? Maybe they will. I don't. What know What do you think? I, I I like that. I, I like that. Pick. I think he's one of two or three guys. There, are four, one of one of four or five guys that would be in the mix there for and sure. And when you look at all the mocks that have started, but I there's mean, also no guarantee he's going to be there either. That's that's yeah. But so it's a lot, hard of, to count a lot of them on. have have te- yeah, a lot of the mocks have him going to us. Which... And remember, and if you but remember though, if you're running a, a three four or well, even or even when you're a nickel, which is what you're going to be in most of the time anyway. So let's just talk about that. Okay, but you he can need, stay in. You need two off-ball linebackers anyway. So even if you draft Simmons, you need somebody else to pair with them on yeah. the field anyway. So I think it, it takes a while for linebackers generally when they get drafted to figure things out because so many things are happening at that level of the defense. You have to lead. you got to call plays. you got to worry about the pass game, the run game, play action. All that stuff is on your plate. And I think it takes that position a little bit of time to get ready to go in the NFL. So if you want to go after a good off-ball coverage linebacker in free agency, which might cost you a little bit, but it's not a premium position like a cornerback or a pass rusher or things yeah. like that. That's another, Those are the two spots that I would really take a look at in free agency. Inside linebacker, pass rusher. You know, and speaking of inside linebacker, you know, it's Friday and the Giants have, uh, you know, we talk a little bit about the staff, right? I mean, well, remember, are, no, Jeff, Jeff, nothing's official yet. Yeah, so. but I say some of the guys that, um, not, not as far as the, the other coaches, I'm talking about the offensive coordinators. They have right. been able to do that. And when you look at offensive coordinator Jason Garrett, you know the type of offense that he's going to bring is going to be, you know, the running. They're going to run the football here. 
you know, and they're also going to get that passing game going. Yes. Um, so it's imperative that, you know, they have Tyke that is re- returning, I hope, and we'll see what happens there. But the fact is that offensive well, coordinator. Tyke went to Twitter and announced it himself, so I think that might be a little okay, bit so safe. he's coming back. <laughs> um, but I think that, you know, he's happy to be able to have somebody that's worked with the group of receivers right. that, are have, that are here, and I think that's important. No question so. about it. Um, all right, let's talk Super Bowl a little bit. Oh, my goodness. What a game. It I should hope. be a fun game. And, and I, I hope so. And, and, and the Pro Football Focus guys were kind of talking about this a lot this week. Um, and I think they make a fairly good point. To me, this is like a big-time talent versus, like, super scheme type of game, right? Yeah. You look at the Chiefs' offense, and this is not taking any away from Andy Reid. He schemes a great offense along with Eric Bieniemy. They do a great job with that. And he's a really good offensive mind. So I'm not saying he does not have a good scheme. And I'm not saying that the Niners don't have good players either, because they do. But this is the magic of Patrick Mahomes. You know, creating plays that are out of structure, creating plays that are not designed, rolling to the right, throwing left, popping it 50 yards in the air across the field versus a Kyle Shanahan system that has helped develop great offenses going back to John Elway's Broncos with Mike Shanahan. Even before that, Mike Shanahan has been a coach in the league for a long time. You know, the the, the, the zone read, I mean, not the zone read, the uh, the outside zone, uh, the the, plays. all those yep. stretch plays, yep. the, pl- the, the bootleg and play action off of that. It just creates a lot of easy yards. And, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo hasn't had to do a whole a whole lot in the postseason, which is fine. It's, it's nothing against him. He hasn't had to. They've won a certain way. It's okay. But we, to me, Jeff, this is what it's going to come down to. We saw the Chiefs under Steve Spagnuolo. When they have to stop the run, they can stop the run. We saw them do it to Derrick Henry and the Titans. Mm-hmm. I think he will stop the run in this game, and he might sell out to do it. And the question is whether or not Garoppolo can do enough. And he has in games this year. Look at the game versus the Saints or on the year. He's shown he can win these type of shootout games. So maybe he'll do it. But I like my chances with Mahomes in that spot more than I like it with Garoppolo. That's why I think the Chiefs are going to win. I think all good points. I think some of the things that, that really I look at this game from an experience factor, you have two young quarterbacks playing in the yeah. Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And I feel like even though that they both have done very well this season, and, I, and I'm sure that, you know, I hope they do well in the game Sunday, that to me is a big factor for these guys. Now, will it be? Will it be? I don't know. But but there is some experience factor there that, that these guys, this, listen, folks, I'm telling you, this game is like no other. For someone like myself that played in it in my 20th season. Well, tell them about it. I'm, there, there is, it it's, it's nothing like you've ever been to because everything's different. You're on the road for a week. You know, normally it's the your away games. You're there Saturday, and John, you know, when you travel with the team, and then you come home after the game, and that's it. Um, you know, so a lot of distractions. Oh my goodness, right? You got Miami. I mean, could there be a bigger distraction than Miami? Um, and things kind of go through their preparation. There's guys that just, you know, so these are things that you have to understand. Now, when you get to the stadium on Sunday. Man, the nerves are flying off. They're everywhere. The, so anyone that so says nervous. it's not different, they're lying. It's you. yeah, absolutely. That's just the, this is the company line, right? Well, I could say someone that's sitting in the radio booth ready to do a Super Bowl radio broadcast. I'm shaking. Okay. I'm nervous. Yes, everybody is nervous. Now imagine if you're the quarterback of this team, and and you know, but I, I'll tell you what, everybody's nervous. It is just football, and it is kind of window dressing when you talk about it. Once the game starts, you kind of you get you get a little bit the nervousness goes away, right? Because it's such a big buildup, and that's what happened when we were in '07 and I was there. Right around Thursday is when you start feeling a little bit of adrenaline getting there, right? Because Monday and Tuesday travel, all the other stuff you do, media day, all media day, it's kind of fun, you know. You got you get to go to there. They ask you these dumb questions. You see people that are coming there in the media day. It has to start with Wednesday practice, right? I mean, that's got to be like sure. But I think Wednesday is just kind of like the the newness is still there. I think Thursday is like the day where, you know, you're finally figuring out Friday is not really a, a big practice and Saturday is nothing, right? So this is your final really big practice. The other thing you think about is, is that even though, you know, you wouldn't think you would think this, this is the last pr- Thursday practice of the season. Mm. This is the last Friday practice of the season, right? So it's kind of scary, um, especially for guys that don't know where they're going to go on those teams, things like this. But the big thing is, and back to where I was talking about the quarterbacks, there's pressure. 
and these guys are going to feel it. I and feel like Mahomes is so free and easy that he's just going to be well, like, ah, whatever. And that's the way. And I think if you had to, you know, say which one is it going to benefit, it's going to benefit him because that's just the way he plays, right? So he, yeah. when he has to improvise and adjust to the things that you just talked about, I feel like he's going to get away with, even though he's a little bit nervous, he doesn't care. He plays with reckless abandon, right? Where Garoppolo is a little bit more reserved and he's going to stick to Kyle Shanahan's game plan. Um, and then you got you got Andy Reid over there who just understands about Mahomes. Like, dude, we called this play, but that's okay. You just scored a touchdown on it. We'll just keep going, right? But I think when you look back at Spags and what he did in 07 to go out there and scheme against a team that was undefeated on the season, I, I, I wouldn't put it past him to have him get after that quarterback Okay, and make him make some mistakes because you've turned the ball over and give good field position to the to Kansas City Chiefs. They're going to put up points on you. And Gar- Garoppolo has been known to throw the ball to the wrong team. Yeah, he yeah. has been, no question yeah. about it. And yeah. I like, I like the Mahomes matchup against the Niners defense. Now look, a lot of people don't. The I'm Niners just... defense is good, but they do not have. Look, Richard Sherman's excellent, but he's also a guy that usually plays cover three. He's not going to tra- travel with the best wide receiver. So who's going to cover Tyreek Hill and who's going to cover Travis Kelsey? Because because if I'm the Chiefs, I put you know Sammy Watkins or Demarcus Robinson, whoever you want to put over there, Nicole Hardman, put him over there by Richard Sherman. Don't even look at him. Yeah. Just, just, just throw to the other four guys, That's That's and fine. it's fine. And they run a lot of that cover three stuff, and that's been around in the league long enough where I think – Teams know how to beat that defense with their schemes. Now, can the Chiefs' offensive line hold up against the Niners' pass rush? Because all of a sudden, you can't get to those things that beat that scheme, which is a lot of, you know, drags across the field, long developing routes. These are not quick-hitting plays now. So you need time to have those things develop. Can they protect long enough to make that happen? Those are the things that I think that are going to be interesting. If the Chiefs can protect Mahomes and he's not harassed all game, yeah. I think the Chiefs. I think the Chiefs will put up close to thirty points. But I feel, if which is why I think they're going to win. If you're Andy Reid on that offense from the Chiefs, okay, you understand the pass rush that Bosa brings, okay. So they're going to have to defend that first and oh, foremost. He's right? excellent, and Eric Armstead and DeForest Buckner, and these are good, good players. If, if you know, why not? And Kittles, Kittles and Kelsey are going to be the show. These guys, I'm guessing that one of them is going to be an MVP of this uh, this thing because Ooh, I mean, bold. I mean, I do. I feel like these are the guys that both teams are just studs, right? Mm-hmm. The two, the probably the two best. Not the quarterback, huh? No, I think I think one of these guys is going to have a huge game, mm-hmm. and I'm thinking that it's the way that both of these teams feel they can win is get the ball mm-hmm. to their best playmakers. Now, I yeah. think when if I if we were to look at it on paper, where are the playmakers? I mean, the playmakers are on Kansas City side. When you look at all of their guys compared to what they have over it, it, but I think the Kansas City Chiefs, to me, are a better coached football team from both sides of the football, okay, to win this game. I I just have a feeling they're going to do it because I want them to. (laughs) I mean, I really want it for Spags. Yeah, me too. And you know what? It, it, people, Steve Spagnuolo, by the way, is the Chiefs defensive coordinator, former Giants defensive coordinator for many years. And... You know, I mean, if as a football fan, not a Giants guy, a football fan, I would like to see Andy Reid. So make would it. I. I agree. You know what I'm saying? Like, he, yeah, we all a, hate the Eagles, and yeah, we couldn't stand him when he was there. He's but he's a really good coach. He, he really is, and he's come a long ways. He's and I feel like it. I feel like this is the stamp that he needs to be a maybe a, a Hall of Fame football coach. He just I, doesn't have it. I think he should be anyway. Yeah, but yeah. I agree. If he this, w- if he wins the Super Bowl, the little cherry. You can. It's not even the cherry. That's give him the gold jacket. Sprink. No, I'm saying this. That would be the. That would be the cherry or Correct. sprinkles, whatever you want. I mean, you want sprinkles? You want a cherry? If he is at the top of the hill, that yeah. puts him over the hill. There you go. There's no question. Yeah. It's that one little push. So I think that you know, to me, it's offensively trying to stop uh, the Chiefs' dynamics of the way they do things with all their players. You know that they're going to have some crazy plays. They might have a couple trick plays in there. Um, and then I you know, like if I told you over under. Okay, the over-under is two, that the Kansas City Chiefs will have two trick plays or more. Would you go over or under? Trick plays meaning like handoff, throw it back to the to the quarterback, hit him deep. Or you can like double reverse or something. Okay. Or, you know, some kind of a trick play. I think one or two is, is probably where they're going to So be. you would go under? Yes, probably. I think three is three's a lot. They do three trick plays in a game? Yeah. Now, if you count special teams in that mix, then I maybe, count everything. All right, then maybe, maybe you could go. That's over. why two is a good number. Here's that someone. It is. It is a good number. You've learned from the master. So, <laughs> oh. there. Yes, I'm 
You're referring the master to myself now. as the master. Yes, That's correct. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, someone on the master. Niners. Thank you. Somebody, we're, we're so stupid. We have a master's yeah. on, this, on the show today. Someone on the Niners is going to have to step up and have a big game, not named George Kittle. It either has to be most offensively. Yeah. Either like one of the running backs. It looks well, like Tevin Coleman's going to play where he most started the big game in the NFC championship yeah, game. Uh, Matt Breda. Take your pick. One of those guys is going to have to have a big game or one of the wide receivers, Emmanuel Sanders. Maybe this is the coming out party for Debo Samuel where a lot of, you know, people that follow the closely know about him. Okay. But maybe this is the, maybe he is a punt return for a touchdown or a kick return for a touchdown. He's a dynamic playmaker. Well, He's great with runs. You know, Debo Samuel can easily catch. You know, the Chiefs play a lot of man-to-man. He could catch a seven- or eight-yard slant. All of them can. He could break a tackle, and then he's off to the races. So, against the Steve Spagnuolo defense that plays a lot of man and pressures, you're going to put those corners and stuff on islands a lot. So, one catch and a broken tackle, which is something Debo Samuel's good at, that could be the difference of the game. Here's my bold prediction. Okay. I gave you mine. If... If this is this is not the bold one. If the Chiefs win, it's going to be Mahomes that wins the MVP. It just is. Okay. In my opinion, if the Niners win this football game, prediction: Debo Samuel MVP. Okay, that's bold. Just like my my bold was the with the tight end position, right? Okay, but you know what? It does. It, it makes sense because it, listen, there's always seems to be some guy that kind of comes out of nowhere, right? Because of all the other stars that are around. It could always be a deep look. And if the Niners hold Mahomes down, it could very well easily be a Nick Bosa or Richard Sherman. Somebody on their defense. Now, do know this, and you've seen it as the playoffs continue to go through. You go to the division, the wild card division championship games. What is the one consistent thing that happens in these playoff games? Is there's always and there always will be plays on special teams that can impact the game. Kick return, punt return, there's always something, punt, right? Blocked punt, just, punt, just something, something yes, right? Correct. Um, uh, maybe even even it's not a, a big play or like maybe, that, John, maybe, or it's maybe, a rule. Or maybe a, maybe a missed field goal. It could be any one of those things. Absolutely. Um, they're playing in Miami. Here's the, I, I'm telling you right now, it's going to rain. It rains there all the time. <laughs> you haven't looked at the weather. You're just I have not looked at the weather. Good. I swear to you, I have not looked well, at the weather. The only thing I did I will, look at I will was— I put my Al Roker hat on and check it out right now. Uh, the only thing I did look at was the last Super Bowl that was in Miami. His Prince was there, and he was singing Purple Rain, and it was raining. So— my thing is that it's going to rain. It's going to rain there. It's Miami, folks. Jeff Eagles, not a meteorologist, just no, pointing it out. All okay. right, Sunday, February 2nd. Oh, wow. How about this? People told me it was colder down there. Oh, that's that's for Loretto, Pennsylvania, where I'm driving. Oh, that's where you're going. So that is not for Miami, Florida. <laughs> I saw 40 degrees. I know. That's I'm like, well, that, that can't be that right. That would have been World War Three down there. Like, we have, we have good morning football oh, on yeah, here, and you got guys running around tank in tank tops. tops. Oh, so nice. I don't think it's 45 degrees. All right, here's Miami. Here we go. Okay. John Schmelk, also not a meteorologist, by the way. Um, high at 80. Oh. oh, there's 0%. I'm seeing it. On Saturday, there's an 80% chance with thunderstorms. Oh, but on 80%. Sunday. On Sunday, 0% chance of rain, 70 degrees and sunny. Just, okay. j- j- just like Roger Goodell predicted. Of course. Well, hey, listen, remember how they had good, good weather up here when they had it? Yep. And then, mm-hmm. I mean, they had a blizzard the next day. A blizzard the next day. Try an that, hour after the game That ended. was remarkable. How crazy was that? Crazy. Is it was literally thing. an hour. It was like as the game ended, the snow started coming. Well, first of all, it was crazy them just to have it here, right? Correct. It was yes. great and everything. Oh, it was awesome. Um, I don't know how many people have been to a Super Bowl before. I only went to one Super Bowl in my life, and that's to play. I would, I would, I didn't go to any of them. I've only been to the two that I covered for the Giants, so I'm with um, you. But I do know I've been around the Super Bowl, you know, hoopla. Like one year, I was in Phoenix uh, when I was working. I was living out there when I was playing with the Eagles. Um, and I went to, I didn't go to the game. I just went to all the stuff that was around it. But I can tell you right now, Miami is a zoo. What's going on down there? You just see all these, you know, you got a little FOMO. I do. Got a little FOMO about not being down there. First of all, it's Miami, my old stomping grounds. And then also is that there's just so many people down there that you know. The players, you know, guys that coaches, mm-hmm. things like that. And just, it's a good time. It's, it's, it's a lot of fun. Um, but to play in it is much, much better. Are right, you ready to take some calls? Yeah, let's go. All right, let's do it, folks. We actually have a bunch of open lines, which is rare. So get in. Give us a call. It's Anything a big take you want to talk Friday about, day, I guess. let's do it. 201-939-4513. And unfortunately, since we have so many empty lines, I have to lead off with Charlie in Portland, Maine. Yeah, well, Charlie's always. He's, I mean, he wakes up at noon every day. Yeah, that, that is true. Charlie, what's up, bud? Hey, Charlie. You're not there, Charlie. Hello. 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 Who's Hello. this? Hello. Yes. 
Yeah, well, this is fortunately not Charlie and Portland, man. This is Bruno in Atlanta. All right, Bruno, Bruno we'll take you. You're just as good. Uh, you know what? Here's You're probably a, even better. Uh, see, Bruno, I'm, I, I, right, I, I was looking that. at my call sheet, and it did not update from yesterday, but now your name's on here correctly, so there you go. <laughs> hey, Bruno, sorry about that. That's my fault. Now, see, now you just no, made no my problem. day. It's, you're, you're not Charlie. It's great news. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Hey, uh, so, yeah, I'm a longtime fan of our eight-time NFL champion, New York Giants. I'm rooting for the Chiefs because I don't want the, the Niners to catch up to us. I agree with yeah, you. There you go. So I'm with you on that. That's my mindset going into this thing. Okay. Um, but, but getting back to our Giants here. So, I, you know, I've been looking at thinking draft free agency, you know, dead time of the year. And uh, Isaiah Simmons, you know, we've talked about him before. You know, the dude has got the right measurables. Yeah, um, definitely. Now, now I was looking at, at uh, Devin Bush. You know, last year's kind of athletic middle linebacker. But, you know, the dude is what's five eleven, two two twenty, two thirty. Mm. I, I can't remember what what he weighed. I'll look um, it up. You know, and he, he got, yeah. He, I had all kinds of notes here. That's okay. I, that's what I do with my time. Five eleven, two thirty four. Yep. Five eleven, two thirty four. He ran a four four. Yeah. This guy in his NFL season now, 109 tackles, one sack, two interceptions. No, he's a great player. Isaiah Simmons, yeah, yeah. Isaiah Simmons, six four, two thirty, and he ran. He ran a four four. You know, he's got a frame to bulk up if if we need to. You know, we, other callers, I think maybe I've talked at length as well. The smaller linebackers, you know, maybe they're not going to be durable. You know, I, I think Isaiah Simmons has the frame to bulk up if needed, but he sure. ran a four four as well, four three seven at other at other times. Well, remember that those aren't official times. You got to see what he weighs and measures at the combine. But look, I don't. I haven't heard many people say they don't think Isaiah Simmons can can physically handle the position. I think he certainly can. Yeah, but you know, looking at both of their their like Devin Bush's last year in college, Isaiah Simmons. This past year in college, both had 67 tackles. Simmons had seven sacks. Bush had five sacks. Simmons had three interceptions. Devin Bush had none. Obviously, Simmons played more coverage. You know, I mean, it's crazy how they guys switch from safety to corner to linebacker to 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 ed, you know edge rusher. So just the versatility of a position like that to lock him up, you know, it's. Yeah, it would be fantastic to lock him up on a rookie contract. Yeah, I and mean, by the way, and Devin Bush was somebody the Giants did have interest in last year, too. So mm-hmm. it, it it does fit the profile in terms of the player that they have looked to draft before. Yeah, and you look at, the, again, the multiplicity, I think that's a word, multiplicity of of what they ran in Miami, what they've run in New England, what, what Patrick Graham has talked about. I, I think he's just a perfect fit. So you know, I'm, I'm really intrigued by that by that option if he's there for us and and obviously fixing our defense. I mean I think bringing him in, him in the, in the middle, um, maybe sliding Julian Love to to the free safety if Antoine Bate, you know the guy's older and hasn't worked out, and then bringing in maybe a, a a free agent pass rusher. That that's three big moves. Not you know it's not three big moves in free agency like we did in what was it 2015. Mm-hmm. That we're we're just now recovering from that. So, I mean, that's that's intriguing. And just one other question. You know, last year, C.J. Conrad was all the talk at, at tight end. And I, we caught him. We put him back on the practice squad. <laughs> you know, now we have, we have um, oh, God, what's his name? My mind went blank on our. our oh, the young the, guy the, from the 49ers? Or? No, no, our, our young guy, uh, our, our, our tight end. Good Lord. I'm not going to go blank. The guy who kind of impressed at the end of the season. Caden oh, Smith. Caden Smith. Yeah. Yeah, 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 Caden Smith. So, I mean, we have a Caden Smith, and and what's the status of CJ Conrad? Is he healthy? Is he he's still on the roster? If I'm not mistaken, practice squad. No, Conrad ended up going somewhere else. I think I don't believe he's on the practice squad anymore. I can check that though. It's funny because you're right. We there was a lot of talk about him coming out of training camp, right? Remember, everybody had him making the 53 man roster, and uh, they were going to yeah. cut. They were going to cut. Um, you know, Rhett Ellison and all this other stuff, and. Um, but I, I don't know what happened to him, but I do know what happened to... Uh, he actually he actually did sign a futures contract on January 2nd. So okay, he is, so he'll be back. Yes, he is yeah, back. He will be in go. camp next year. But oh, he was, he was yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. But Caden Smith, okay, you know, he made a good name for himself this year. I mean, sure he did. Yeah. Um, I think that, you know, yeah, I think he sure. was the sixth-round draft pick for 49ers. Don't, 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 you know, hold me to that, but I think it was right around there. But a guy came out, and he played well, and he, came, and he caught the football and made some good plays, and I think that that's... That's what it uh, it takes for him to get back and and compete for a job on this team this year. Yeah, for sure. I, I like the multiple tight ends, the guys who who have a threat of blocking. You know, like uh, and well, my my last last question. I know you got other callers. 
So we had, you know, if you all remember the hype of our Ramsey's Barden, tall guy, skyscraper wide receiver, never really panned out. Oh, you know, he, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so he was, he was kind of a late round guy. So, you know, yes. uh, Cal obviously we need, we need a, we have, yeah, we have the slot receivers, the short guys, Darius Slayton's the speed guy on the outside. I, I yep. agree, you know, Holly Dotson, you guys also, are, we, we would love that skyscraper wide receiver, but what, what do we do to avoid another Ramsey's Barden, and I could take it off the air. No, I appreciate, appreciate it. it. Thanks don't, a lot for the call. Well, you know, Barden one. was somebody... <laughs> look, he was from a smaller school. He was a really round, late-round pick, and the problem with Ramsey's Barden is he couldn't run. I mean, he just had trouble getting separation. He was tall, but he wasn't fast. Yeah. And to yep. me, look, height's great, and winning contested catches is great. To me, and when I'm looking at wide receivers, and I don't know how Jason Garrett looks at it, you get a guy like Des Bryant, who was a guy that didn't separate all that great, but made contested it catches. Wasn't, well, he wasn't 6'4", either. No, that's true, but he had really long arms and stuff like that. But to me, the best wide receivers and the wide receivers I want on my team, regardless of height, is guys that can separate and get open one-on-one. And... Those are the guys that I want. And I'd rather have a good receiver that could do that than some tall receiver that can't move. So that's how I look at it. Fortunately, as I mentioned at the start of the show on yesterday, this is an extremely deep wide receiver class and wide receivers of different stripes. You got smaller guys, medium guys, and you got a lot of big guys like Colin Johnson from Tennessee, 6'5, Denzel Mims, 6'3. Uh, there are a lot of, you know, Chase Claypool, 6'3. Um, Gandy Golden from Liberty had a good senior bowl. He's 6'3. You know, these are guys that are big and can give you a little bit of a different dynamic. But I don't know about you, Jeff. I'm not, like, super obsessed with having to have this, like, tall, wide receiver. I get it. It's fine. But And if they get one, that's great. But, I mean, if you just have a three good wide receivers that are, like, six feet tall, okay, great. I'm, I'm fine with that. Well, I mean, you look at the tall receivers in the league. Okay, A.J. Green is one of them, but he's just phenomenal, oh, yeah. phenomenal. Mike right? Evans. Mike Evans is a guy who, I mean, yeah, but, you know, these aren't easy Alshon to come Alshon Jeffrey, another guy, right? Okay, but, but, no, that, but, but there's three. Right. I mean, when we talk about 32 Julio teams Jones. seven or eight receivers on each team, right? there's not a lot of them, no. right? I think the majority of the good ones that you – the majority of them, the ones – like, okay, let's just – Slayton, Darius Slayton is not 6'4 either. See, he's six foot one, I think. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he he isn't that much taller. Than but me. my point about it is, not. is it? I'll take a six foot one guy that can climb the ladder like he does. Well, right? like you know, like for example, let's let's I mean, look it he, up. He is a guy that will. He has some ups. He has some athleticism, and he'll go up there. So you don't have to be six foot four. Like Des Bryant was six two. Okay, so there's your number. I like six two, and being a guy that can have separation off the line of scrimmage and have have some, you know, have some strength in him. Um, win the, you want a guy, like to your point, the height doesn't matter. Can you win those contested 50-50 balls? Which, by the way, Slayton, I thought, did show he could do last year. I, absolutely. And the other measurable with these guys, if you got a six-foot receiver, if he's got a 42-inch vertical, do you really care about him being 6'3"? Yeah, or like 35-inch arms. There you go. You put right. both those together. He, it, it basically equates to six foot five guy. Basically, it's the same thing with the NBA. When people talk about these guys getting drafted, yeah, the height matters. They care about wingspan. They care yeah. about arm length, mm. standing reach, because yeah. that's more important. If you have a guy that's six four, but has the arms of a six eight guy. What's yeah. the difference? Yeah, you want a guy with... The Who cares how high their head is? You care about how high their oh. hands are. Yeah, I mean, you know? that game's crazy how tall those guys are. <laughs> just, uh, but, you know, the, from the receiver position, um, I'm looking for a guy that can get off the line of scrimmage and also, when it's first and second down, can get out there and block. I mean, I want a physical receiver, a guy that's not going to run away from contact. And we talked about Tyke Tolbert, you know, years ago when he got here, a couple years ago now, um, his MO for a coach is that he requires and he teaches the position well that his receivers are good blockers. And you have seen that in these guys. Um, like both, M- Michael Thomas, 6'3". Chris Godwin, 6'1". Okay, Chris Godwin is a good one. I, I like that. I, he is a, <laughs> he's 6'1", okay? Um, but my back to my point is if you look at Golden Tate and you look at some of these guys, the, the way they play outside of catching the football, it's impressive. They're good, they're mm-hmm. good blockers down the field. And I think that with this Jason Garrett offense that's coming in here, they're going to run the football. They're going to com- they're going to command out of these receivers <laughs> and the tight ends that they have to block better because they got to get this this running game going. 
201-939-4513. All right, now he called, as I mentioned his name. Hey, Charlie. <laughs> hey guys. Hey, I, I heard you called me, so I had I had a call. I know. No, you did. We did not call you. We mentioned you. They're two no, different things. That's the same thing from my world. Well, maybe yeah. from your world. You're far from our world. That's hey, for sure. Look, why wouldn't you want a Plaxico? Why wouldn't you want? I, I'll he take wasn't no. Fast. I don't. We're he not saying fast. I, he was done. He was fast enough. I mean. I, I listen. It's not that I don't want a Plaxico. I'm just trying to tell you that, that the six four guys of the world are not all of them are Plaxicos. And in Plaxico bursts, by the way, ran past people all the time. Yeah. yeah. Hey, there was a guy in Texas that did a really had a really good senior bowl. What was his name? Colin. Six, Colin Johnson. Yeah. Why not him? No, Charlie. We're not saying. If you get a good six four receiver, you shouldn't get them. My right. point is that you don't go out of your way to draft a six four guy just because he's right. six four or six five. That's our point. Yeah, yeah. I, I understand that. Hey, but I, I just about the running backs, right? You got you got Barkley, right? You don't really need Gallman because he's similar to a Barkley. Don't you need like either a scat back? somebody who's really quick yes. or you need a guy who can really pound it like Henry. That's the kind of back we need to back Barkley up, don't you think? I, I would like to see a scat back, the guy that can return kicks and punts and be the third down guy. A little bit like um, Boston, um, the guy up in Philly. What's his name? Boston Scott? Yeah, Boston yeah. Scott. Yeah. I mean, see, to me, look, if you want to get a kick returner, that's fine. But to me, Barkley's your third down guy. I, I would compare... Barkley to you know the Saints use Alvin Kamara. Mm-hmm. I would want to use Barkley the same way the Saints use Alvin Kamara, except on steroids. You know they only give Kamara last year twelve, thirteen carries a game. I'd have Barkley seventeen or eighteen, have him run inside more. But the way they use him on all third downs and get him in space, that's how I want to use Saquon Barkley. Right, that's where he's dynamic. That's where he's going to kill opposing teams as a mismatch weapon. So. I'm, I can't believe I'm going to say this. I'm more with Charlie here. If you're going to yeah. find a back to complement Barkley, I'm more interested in that third and short guy than I am yeah. the guy that's going to be a third down back. I just feel like the Giants need a, a little, those little small guys. I really do. Oh, I no, think but again, if you want to use them for special teams, I got no problem well, with no, that. That's and, fine. And I guess my point is, is that if you're going to get a guy like that, you want to have him – you want to use him more – than just offense. You want to have him returning kicks and returning punts, things like that. But I also feel like, you know, what you can have both of them in there and have two guys that are very scary. Okay. That's know? fine. I, I I do not want Barkley off the field on third downs. No, no, no. And I don't want him. No, exactly. I'm not taking him right. off the field. Okay, that's fair. I'm saying having both of them on the field at the same time gives the defense a little bit of craziness. They got to cover both these guys. Um, you know, and then once in a while you can run a draw to the little guy and let him scoot through there because we had a, the Giants defense had a lot of problems with Boston Scott to the two games that we played him this year. Well, that's, that's not saying much. They had a problem with a lot of people. Yeah. But, yeah. but hey, starting you know, with you. The thing is, wouldn't you rather have like a, a like a Henry? We had problems going third and one and four and one and third and two and fourth and one. We couldn't make it, so we need a guy like Henry who actually might be on the market. But we need a bigger guy. Whoa, 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 Charlie, you can find a guy like this without paying him premium money or using a premium pick on him. Now, let's not start. Throwing Derrick Henry's like name him. out. Okay, that's fine. Okay, so want to make you know. sure. But what's what's wrong with Eli Penny? What happened to him? He hasn't done nothing. Maybe this new coaching staff will. No, but I mean, they, but him. listen. How many times did we sit there and watch on 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 game day where we're, we're saying where's the where's the fullback? Now I will say where this. is the fullback? I think we are going to see a lot more fullback. If you go back to what Jason Garrett did in Dallas and go back to what the Patriots did up there where Joe Judge was before. They had power run-blocking fullback. So it would not surprise me if you saw the return of a more traditional fullback who, depending on, and you know, you're not going to be on the field 30 plays a game, but that could be out there for 10 to 15 plays. And, and a special team You guy. use them in that role. So I think you will see a return of that traditional fullback, yeah. in my opinion. I hope. I hope. I mean, because we need him. The Giants offense, I mean, you're right, Charlie. When How many times do we have third and one, fourth and one, and yeah. we can't make it? Even right. on the goal line. I oh. know. Yeah. Either that or we just got to get a really, really good offensive line. We need a center. We need a center that can actually move people. 
you know, maybe if we got a center that could move people, we might not need the big bruising back, but I still think we do. But we'll see what happens. But I think Gallman is just too much like a Barkley. And um, Charlie, I don't to me, I don't think he's like Barkley. I just think he's a guy that can do a little bit of everything. And that's why I think right. Wayne Gallman actually is a pretty good backup. Now, I don't think yeah. – I think Gallman's and, – and I'll try to define this if you know where I'm coming from. I think Gallman's your perfect backup running back because he's not really deficient in any area. But I don't think he's a good complement to Barkley. So right. Do you, that's my main. Yeah. Yeah. So th- that's kind of where I'm coming from on that. I like Gallman. I think he's a guy you can bring in there. He's not going to screw up. He's not going to mess up. He's going to be where he needs to be. There's nothing he's bad at. I think he'd be a really good, useful player on the roster. I just wonder yeah, what I- happened to him. Yeah, well, well, hopefully the new coaching staff will have new eyes and give him an opportunity. And, you know, I don't know why he went in the doghouse. I have no idea. But uh, we'll probably find out. And Super Bowl-wise, I, I don't know. I just think – I think I'm with you, Jeff. I think somehow Kansas City is going to pull this off. Because you've got to remember that Kansas City offensive line is a really good line. Yeah. And you remember – you probably – I don't know if you do, but Super Bowl four. Remember Kansas City's offensive line? They took care of Ella, and they took care of all those people. And, and I, I see this offensive line very similar because I think they allowed the least pressures in the NFL or they, they were second or something. I think this offensive line is going to uh, show uh, – going to really show up in this game, and I think that's going to be the difference. Well, thank you, Charlie, and thank you for you know having confidence in me that I have my memory goes back to Super Bowl Four. He doesn't remember who his teammates were in 2009, for God's sakes. <laughs> Super Bowl Four. I couldn't even tell you. Well, let's see, 54 is 50 years ago. I was just born. It was, by the way, for people that don't know, that was Chiefs-Vikings in that game. That was, I believe that was the Purple People Eaters, if I'm not mistaken, in the Yeah, well, yeah, he mentioned one of them, right? Carl Eller was was there, right, Charlie? I I, I hung up on him. Oh, good. Uh, (laughs) Oh, good. (laughs) Bye, Charlie. Have a good weekend. This is according to Wikipedia, by the way, so I don't know if it's true. But apparently... In that game, the Vikings were 13-point favorites. How about that? Okay. That doesn't interest you at all, apparently. <laughs> you have nonplussed. What was the over-under? You think people were I don't know then? what the over-under was, Jeff. <laughs> and the Chiefs won that game 23-7. to So That was 19 what? 69. Uh, the game was 69. played on January 11th, 1970. So it was a 70. 69 season. So it was a 69 season. Because they were saying the last time that they won the Super Bowl was the 69 season. Um, you know, I, I, I saw an interview with uh, Lamar Hunt. Played on January 11th, by the way. Right, so wow. keep him right after the season's over. That's amazing. Well, they probably didn't have much of a playoffs that year, I wouldn't think, yeah. right? But um, Paul wouldn't know. He covered it, so. Yeah, he was there. Uh, absolutely. Running down the sidelines. I, th- I think that was his. Uh, tw- I think that was his. Uh, tenth straight championship game covering it. So, wow. Um, <laughs> just, just I have taking, no comment. I'm just taking shots. Now. I have I no care. comment. <laughs> we have a lot of callers. I'm gonna have some fun. Go to Twitter. Let's get a Twitter. Okay, we can go to. Um, yeah, Alan Page, by the way, another guy okay. on that team. But yeah. Carl Eller was one. Jim Marshall, obviously, another one. That was the Purple People Leader. So, see, what a I great know some stuff. Purple People Leaders. I love it. That was ten years before I was born, but. I think they say purple QB eaters, you know? They eat well, all people? Well, he also ate running backs. Well, I guess so. Right? Well. Ate a fullback here or there? <laughs> you want some a little more meat on the bones? <laughs> That's right. They right? got him. Oh, that was some real football back then, man. Just playing outdoors and, and when you were with the uh, that yeah. group right there all the guys in have Minnesota. Like the, they have like the one bar in the helmet oh and that's it. Yeah. I mean, just, you know, you think about it. No heated benches. In fact, folks, I'm going to tell you, no in, 19, in 19... See, that's how you know the guy's a punter. When the first thing he goes to is no heated Listen. benches, that's how you know that he's the punter, okay? In 1988, when I came into the NFL <laughs> in New England, our heated benches consisted of... You ready for this? Oh, what do you got? The, the regular aluminum benches, like the normal... You had them in high school. You've had them in grade school. Those you, are not heated. Okay. But underneath... Oh, no. They had, you know, the blue tarps. Do you know that material they're made of? Yeah. Well, they had they had this blue tarp material. It was round, and it went underneath the bench with little holes in it. And those kerosene heaters, they had they had it going, and the heat would would blow air through that thing, and it would go all the way down. That was the heated bench. <laughs> I swear. So you would just be sitting there. Now it didn't heat the bench. 
It was just so you could get some heat coming out that you could put your hands there, your feet. And then all the evolution of the heated benches went to the, the big ones, which are great, which which is, by the way, kept me alive in, in Green Bay in 2007. And by the way, and, and Len, you're up next. I'll, I will get to you shortly. But I haven't had a chance to come on and, and say much about Eli since the retirement. So everyone talks about, about the Super Bowls and all that stuff. To me, his most impressive game was that Packers game. I, I still don't know how he did it. With the weather the way it was, how yeah. he gripped the ball, how he was accurate. And his numbers weren't spectacular, but he didn't turn it over once. He didn't fumble. You know, he him and Burris destroyed Al Harris. I mean... Yeah, he really did. It, it was a massacre. And I don't know how he played that well in those conditions. He scored 27 points. And he had two touchdown drives to start the second half. I mean, it, that that to me is the performance I will always remember. As much as he had the dramatics at the end of the two Patriot games, which was great, from start to finish, mm. that's the Eli Manning game see, I will never see, forget. See, Paul's, Paul's game was the 11 San Francisco game. Was his the No, one but here's just, the problem with the 11 San Francisco. But I'm just saying, okay. that, I don't want to bring him into okay, it. I'm just telling fine. you that what that was. But yep. you know what? I, I will I, argue I don't, that point I don't really know. I haven't really thought about it that much to, to understand what his best game was, but I do know this. Well, I don't know if it was his best game, but I know it was it was the game that impressed me the most. Okay. And and by all means, because I, I will tell you, you know, Eli Manning doesn't get to go and sit on the on the cold on the warm bench like I did for the whole game. Um he did not wear a glove on his throwing hand, okay. Um he was getting hit when it was sub zero degree temperature where the even though they had the heated Turf. What I mean by that, folks, is that Lambeau Field, and and I, John, I don't know if you got to get on the field to realize this, but the field itself, the hundred, you know, the whole field, mm-hmm. that's heated. Right. They, so, they have those, so, those, so those the coils grass, underneath, right? So, but yeah. doesn't mean that 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 the grass was like you know toasty warm and you can go out there and sunbathe on it. But it was it was it's so that it thaws out. And right. so, but it's still mm-hmm. it's still hard. The outside of the field was absolutely frozen. Uh, and so the catch that Toomer made, this, you know, with his feet where he kept him in and he kind of, if you go back and look at that catch and you see him hit the side, it's like he fell on, on the concrete out in front of oh, MetLife Stadium. Really? It was that bad, it's, huh? Oh, my God. It's, it's horrible. I believe and, it. And I remember standing on the sidelines how cold the turf was underneath our feet, you know? And then the other thing how cold that game was, I realize that the Packer fans, they got it going on, right? They understand about that kind of weather. Oh, yeah. All of them just showed up in their hunting gear. Hunting gear? And you know what mm-hmm. else they bring in? They bring in insulation. Square pieces of insulation. You know where it goes? Where? On the cement in front of their feet. Oh, that's smart. So, so their they feet their, aren't on the concrete. But their feet is on the insulation so mm. their feet don't get cold on the concrete, right? I mean, listen, they just got it, right? I mean, I don't know how smart Packer fans are, but that was pretty smart, you know? My friends went up to the game. You can only buy two beers, John. They buy two beers. By the time they got back and set the one, finished the first one, the second one was starting. It was not frozen solid, but, you know, it was icy. Icy, that's how cold it was that day. But, you know, yeah, listen, Eli, what a game. And he did, you know, Al Harris, it was him and Plaxico. I mean, there was no match that day. Um, and because Eli was retiring this year, we got a lot of that. And by the way, the Giants did everybody did such a great job of, of uh, inputting all the stuff on social media and the website. I mean, you can you could spend days on all the content that that went up to that. And I I didn't spend days, but I spent a lot of time watching a lot of that stuff. And they had a lot of those games. And you look at the way that Eli played through those, and pretty impressive, pretty darn impressive. Now, do you want me to make my argument as to why Detino's wrong? Of course, sure. I would love to. I mean, Detino watches our show every day, so well, he and was you're wrong. Be, and you're going to be driving with him up to uh, Laredo yes. today, so he, he, here's why he was wrong. Okay, really simple. First of all, he only scored 20 points, which is not a great number. Yes, he finished with 316 yards, which is a good number. Okay, and he got the yeah. snot beat out of and him. I, and again, I'm, I'm not going to defend Paul, but I think there was when we were talking right. about his toughness. No, and that's fair. And if there's one game that defines his toughness. It's that game. That's fine. And I got to tell you, I, th- I believe that that's what we were talking about, his durability okay. and his consecutive games and, and the toughness, and I think that's why he said that. Well, so, I, I'm still going to argue against it because, okay. because other people have brought that up to me too, okay. so I'm going to argue yeah. against it. But it, it, that's fair. If you're talking about toughness, yeah. 100% agree. Do you want to know? Let's see. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. 
The last 12 drives the Giants had that game. How many times did they punt? 11 because you just to 10. <laughs> so they punted on 10 of their last 12 drives. Hey, offense, and by the we, way, can we do something, And by please? the way, he, here were the number of plays in those drives. Three, five, four, three, 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 five, four, five. Man, Weatherford, he was busy. So they did not uh, – they probably gained one, two, okay. three, four, five first downs. And their two scoring drives, they scored a touchdown in the fourth quarter – on a 29-yard drive, which was after a fumble punt. Okay. Then they yeah, scored yeah. the game-winning field goal in overtime after a fumble punt on a five-play, 11-yard drive. Okay. So I, I, I just I can't get that excited about that particular it was a performance tough yeah. because of just all I remember from that game, and I didn't I had to go and look this up. All I remember from that game is that. The two teams were just going three and out, back and forth for mm-hmm. two full quarters. Yeah. No one could do anything. The defenses were dominating, and Eli was tough. He didn't. Now he didn't turn the ball over, which is a big deal. And that's that to me is what defined Eli Manning in the postseason. So, a that was his best game too. He really did perform his best in the best moments. And even if you go by like pro, football, pro football focus grading, his grades in the postseason were always better than the regular season. He didn't turn the ball over nearly as much. I think he had two turnovers in those two playoff runs in 2007 and 2011 combined. So he didn't turn the ball over, played his best football at the biggest times. And the thing that I remember most, real simply, Jeff, and you could speak to this better than me, and I'm sure you did already, but I'll give you a chance to do it again. <laughs> he was just... For somebody that was the second biggest or third biggest athlete in the city, maybe behind like Jeter and Mariano Rivera or something like that, right? He was the most down-to-earth, approachable, friendliest, cooperative, chill dude that (laughs) I've ever been around. And you know what it's like at post-game and locker room afterwards. You got to go – and I I have to do the post-game interviews on the locker room show on the radio, right? It's not easy. No, and, you know, we've had a lot of losing the last seven, eight years. Let's be honest, okay? I haven't walked in there after a lot of wins. There's been a lot of losses, okay? And with certain players – and you were the worst with this. I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) When you go up and talk to somebody after the game – you have to be very careful about how you ask about a negative play. That's right. Because the player is still raw, and it's not their fault either. It's just a tough situation. Yeah. They're angry about the game. They're raw. They feel bad about a play. And if you go out and you just ask them directly, uh, you know, what happened on that drop pass, they might think you're blaming them for the loss, trying to hammer Which them and stuff are. like that. And that's not what I'm trying to do, right? I'm just trying to get an explanation as to what happened on the play. You never had to worry about that with Eli Manning. Yeah, he would answer the same way if you're asking about a game-winning touchdown or if you're asking about a bad interception, and he would always give the good answer, the answer that you needed, and he made your job easier for well, he, everyone in the building. Which is why I will never be around another superstar athlete that's like him. I I just know it. He's he's just so unique, and he just did it all. His certain easy way, and he was easy. always himself. Easy. He, he was. He was. He would show up to events to do TV shoots, drive himself in his Toyota. He's like knocking on the door. No one's there. He just waits for people to come and get him. He's just like such a normal guy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and easy. He's easy. Special. The thing about him is, um, and I think you'll 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 agree with what I'm saying here. He has respect. He has respect for everybody. He has respect for you, John, the way you have to do your job. You have to ask this, the tough question after the game. He understands that. So I think that, you know, when you look at him through his career, he respected who you are. He respected everybody for that matter. And, and that's just, uh, you know, that's the way he always will be, too. He's not going to change just because now he's done playing football. All right. Well, apparently I just told that the audio is not working on the whole show. So we kind of just wasted our time with the video at least. But I have the audio so we can post that up in archive form. That's probably why we didn't get a lot of callers, is my Interesting. bet. Interesting. So nobody could hear us today. Yeah. Best show we ever had. But luckily, the callers can hear us. So on the archive, they'll get to hear us talk to Len from Columbia, Maryland. Hi, Len. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you mean, I'm th- you mean I'm talking to nobody but just the two of you guys? No, well, right now, yeah. <laughs> right now, yes. But, this will, but the archive will be posted up. So you, it, it will, people will see it eventually. <laughs> there you go. Hey, uh, John, on the, on the last topic you were talking about there, and you, you talked about uh, Eli extensively, and of course we did it all last week while you were gone. Yeah. But ju- just let me mention, you know, in the early days of this show, John, you you might remember, 
Uh, I'd call in on a Thursday and Friday, and we'd talk about whether the Giants were going to win on Sunday. And, and one of the last questions I'd ask you, and it was kind of a setup question, I'd say to you, is Eli playing? And you'd always say, yeah, of course. And I'd say, then we got a chance. <laughs> and that's, that's, that's actually the way I always felt with Eli. You know, when yeah. he walked out on the field, we had a chance. No question. It was, it, no it was question. a good feeling. Yeah. Hey, hey, Jeff, just to capitalize on something that you said, one of my early remembrances of going to Giant Games, I'm going back a long time now. I'm going all the way back to the Polo Grounds. One of the things my father used to do, we'd carry the New York Daily News into the Polo Grounds, and we'd put it on the concrete there underneath our feet. Yeah. And, and Dad used to say, that's going to keep your feet just a little warmer. Yeah, So. Right? Uh, <laughs> I mean, I couldn't believe it. The guys were telling yeah. me these guys have, like, insulation they're bringing into the game. Yeah, there you go with insulation. Uh, that's one of, the, one of my early remembrances of going to Giant Cape. Hey, listen, if you guys get a chance, taking it back to that uh, Kansas City Super Bowl, if you guys get a chance, um, Google Hank Stram and see if you can pick up some of the sound bites from the sidelines mm. during that game. Absolutely classic. Yeah, he we'll had, do. He, I mean, he had some great classic. ones. He had some great ones. Um, and that was that was right when NFL film started like making players. That's right too. So yeah, yeah, yeah. He had some yeah, good that's ones. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Hey, um, um, John, a couple of players from the Senior Bowl. Sure. Oh, by the way, Jeff, one other thing. Um, I've, I've been lucky enough to go to two Super Bowls. I saw the first one in '86. And then I saw the 2011 one in Indianapolis. And, of course, in, in 86, there was no Super Bowl week. I mean, it was just the game. Mm-hmm. You know, you went to the stadium. But um, really? those lights, those lights in the Rose Bowl, shining off those blue helmets. Oh, yeah, in the, right. In the fourth quarter, I, bet. I thought I'd died and gone to heaven. <laughs> I, bet. I bet. And what a great place to watch a, a Super Bowl in such a historic stadium, right? Oh, I mean, my goodness. 95, I think there were 95,000. Or close to it, very close to it, and uh, you know, mostly giant fans, and yeah. just just a, just a great day. And the Indianapolis one, um, you know, small town, um, couldn't couldn't you know? Once you find out you got the tickets as a season ticket holder, you know, you got chosen in the lottery. Oh, is that how you got them? That's great. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So wow. I got you know I got lucky. So I, I could at least pay face value and didn't have to go to a scalper. <laughs> or you didn't face sell them. Value was pretty, the face value was pretty high at that time too, but um, you know you couldn't get anywhere in the you couldn't get anywhere near Indianapolis to find a hotel room. Yeah, I know. I, I wound yeah. up I wound up staying in Louisville, Kentucky, huh. and driving up on driving up on Sunday morning. It was about, about a two three hour drive two up hours. The okay, two hours. About a two hour drive up the interstate mm-hmm. to see the game, and I just just I'm, I mean you just you, I mean the Manningham reception. I mean you just knew they were going to win the game. Yeah, that was one of the most prettiest balls that he's ever thrown in his life. Man, wow. was it perfect. Yeah. It really was. Perfect throw. Yeah. Perfect throw. And yeah. I was I was mentioning that the other day that, you know, with all the content with, with Eli and stuff, I got to see that play more than I have ever in the last week. And it was yeah. every single time it was more impressive to me, every single time I saw it, is how beautiful oh of a throw every it was. An, I mean, every yeah. angle. Um, you, you, every angle you looked at it, you just, it was, it's, it's just, just, just an absolute throw. Hey, uh, John, if we if we've got another minute, let yeah. me ask you about a couple of players from sure. the Super Bowl. If if we, you get out to the sixth round, the two safeties from Notre Dame. In fact, one of the guys I was keeping my eye, eye on was uh, um, g- uh, uh, g- g- Gilman. Um, he's a pretty good player. And the other safety also from Notre Dame was yeah, pretty good. Jalen Elliott, right? Six, and you want, and you're looking for depth. You know, guys who can play. I think these. I think one of those two guys might be good. And that that corner from Notre Dame is it Pride, John? Yeah, Troy Pride Jr. Yep. Yeah, yeah. He. I understand he had a good week. He did. And uh, and by the way, he he's yeah. a size where he could play the slot too, which is something there the Giants might be looking for. I was just going to say slot yeah. corner. You know, you get out. I don't know if he's going to last till five. But you might, uh, but um, I mean that's that's the kind of guy. And of course, I think the steal of this, I think the steal of the draft, John, is going to be Claypool. I wonder about his ability to separate, Len. He he just looks like a tight end to me. I don't know how sudden and fast he is. And by the way, yeah. J- Jalen Elliott was the second Notre Dame tight end, who I thought did have a pretty good week. Yeah, yeah, both of those guys. Free safety. You had a good week, but. Um, you know, Claypool's got those hands. He's got that size. He he's does. Gonna out-muscle. He's going to outmuscle everybody. I think he's going to be. I think he's going to be the steal of this draft. Yeah, could be. Hey, have a great. Hey, listen. Um, let me. 
give me. Uh, I'll give you my Super Bowl pick. Yes. Um, speed kills. I'm <laughs> going with Kansas City. There you go. I'm with you, Len. Appreciate the call, but Thanks, enjoy Len. the game. You have yep. a great week. You Thank try. you. You too, pal. Yeah, look, I think, and Terrell Burgess is the other safety that I thought had a pretty nice week out of Utah. Utah had a lot of players that actually did pretty well. But uh, Terrell Burgess, another guy that I think could be a mid-round safety that, that, that could help somebody that was in Mobile. Good show. Jeff, give me a final score. Oh, I think it's going to be high. I think it's going to be high. I'm going to say like I'm going to say 27-17. I'm going to go higher. I'm going to go in the 30s. I'm going to go 20 I'm going to say Chiefs 33. I don't know why I went 33, but it's going to low 30s. 11 and field goals. <laughs> 11 field goals. By the way, that <laughs> 2011 game against San Francisco when you had the screen yeah. up there, the 49ers punted 10 times and the Giants punted 12. <laughs> <laughs> you talk about a great game. Woo. I would love to see that game. Watch a lot of punting. All right, so you, you got 33 what? 33-24. Will yeah. it be a one-score game in the fourth quarter? Mm, I hope so, but I don't I don't think so. Okay. There we go. And you say Chiefs, right? Yep. Yeah, me too. We're going Chiefs. All right, we'll see what happens. We'll be back yeah, with we'll you on see. Monday on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Jeff, enjoy the game. You too, Johnny. It was all brought to you and by and Coors Light. And by the Light. way, if anybody has any boxes or any all that kind of fun stuff you guys do, I hope you, guys, you win your box, right? Yes, of course we do not participate or well no we have boxes we for or food. promote we have food any you sort win. of gambling from it's the not, new york football it's not giants gambling it's not gambling exactly it's that's my gambling. point it is not gambling you win a that box you get a uh, nothing to do with gambling at all there's no you know, gambling i know that i understand that mountain cold refreshment made to chill for jeff eagles i'm john show we'll hoping my boxes we'll see you on monday everybody <laughs> adios <laughs>